What's up, everyone? We've made it through the regular season in Orange County. Somehow, some way, was able to obtain a home match for the first round of the playoffs. And that's going to begin this coming weekend as they will host Colorado Springs Switchbacks. And we've got a nice group of uh, guests here to help us out. A couple guests and some regulars uh, to help us out as we discuss all of this and get you prepared for it. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm going to take you through this journey tonight as we get prepared for playoff soccer for your Orange County Soccer Club. Uh, I, I think we could bring him on. He's having maybe some computer issues, but we'll see if it'll work out here. We've got the original member of the team, uh, and that is Dylan from Caroline Coalition. Dylan, uh, is everything okay? You, your computer working? And look at that, no sound as he goes to begin talking. So we're already into some technical issues with Dylan. We'll we'll try and let him work that out. We maybe won't be able to count his consecutive streak if this doesn't work out. Um, but let's head down the coast to San Diego really quick while Dylan tries to fix that. We've got Alan down in San Diego. Alan, let's see, is your sound working? Uh, testing, testing, no, good, yes. I, yes, I hear me, great. so... If I, I can, can hear, hear me, then that's all that matters. Um, no, things are going well down here. I am excited for some playoff soccer. Uh, lots of intriguing matchups happening this weekend. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to, to to watch some of those. Participate in USL Ponies Survivor Pool. Uh, there's lots of good stuff happening. Perfect. And one of the other regulars of our team here, uh, and I know before we went live, his mic was working, so I'm sure it'll work. That is Brad up in Reno. Brad. Uh, how are we doing up in Reno? Your mic's working uh, fine, right? Yeah, um, I see Dylan is uh, pulling his shift as Brad this week, so I'll I'll try my best to earn it back from him. Let me ask you, Dylan, do you think your mic's working now? Can you say something? No? He's just going to sit there with his face uh, just nodding and agreeing with everything we see on this. Um, maybe, maybe it works. There we go. Yeah. It works. Oh, hello, it works. Everyone. Yeah. What's I up, was... Dylan? How you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, definitely some some technical nonsense going on here, but that's why you listen to this podcast, right? Because you want the unpolished, unfinished nonsense that is uh, any appearance I make on the internet. And all the noise in the background again, uh, taking on the role of Cameron as well. You're just taking on multiple roles today, Dylan. Hey, we got a couple of guests that have joined us today, or that are joining us today, or that have joined us today. However, you want to say that. Um, you know, I'm always great with words. That's why. I, they put me in control of this this whole podcast thing here. Uh, first and foremost, let's welcome on uh, back a friend of the show. He's been on our show in the past. Um, he is a, a New Mexico United supporter. He also helps cover uh, San Diego with Allen, uh, and he does a lot of other stuff, man. That's Chris Walker. Chris, how you doing, my man? Man, 
I just want to give a salute to Dylan. I have, he'll appreciate this next take that I am doing well. I am eating fries with friends. Ooh, that he, he early entry to the name of this episode right there, fries with friends. That's the, that's why we bring you on, Chris. Uh, how how have things been going with all your other podcasts, all your other teams, the highs and the lows? Man, I mean, things been going good. You know what I mean? Like, you know, as far as New Mexico is concerned, obviously, like, you know, would you would you have wanted to lose and then watch the team that eventually knocked you out to be winning, or would you have wanted to win your last game and then? sit there in the parking lot and drink additional brews and uh, eat all the barbecue only to learn the same result would come about anyways. Yeah. So I guess that would, that's the poetic answer to your question. The poetic answer, man. Dylan's rubbing off on you a little bit there with the he uh, really you know, books he really and is. stuff. Well, you uh, know, we, I, we... I finally get to see him this time around. That's all. <laughs> yeah. He used to be, uh, uh, it, for those of you that remember us back in the days, he never had a video going. It was always just his, like Google image background. or something like that. Hey, we have one other guest I want to bring on here. And, you know, we're entering the playoffs. It's an important uh, part of the season. And right now it's the first round of the playoffs. So there was a bunch of teams involved in this. And we figured let's bring in someone that knows a little bit about a bunch of these teams and at least the tactics uh, of what goes on uh, when it comes to this sport in the USL. Uh, that's the man who runs the USL Tactics Twitter, John Morrissey. John, how you doing? Welcome. First time ever on our show. How you doing, my man? Yeah, doing really well. It's one of those uh, longtime listener, first time caller sorts of things. So super excited to be here. Oh, I, lo- I love that. The, the, the longtime listener, first time caller. It's awesome. We appreciate that you listen to us. Uh, we appreciate anyone that listens to this. Uh, Dylan and I, you know, back in the days, we never thought it was going to turn into something that uh, people would actually listen to what we had to say. So we appreciate that. Um, how uh, how have you been doing? I know you're preparing for this whole, uh, you know, podcast or not podcasting, this whole uh, playoff thing here in the USL. I'm sure you've been very busy uh, reviewing some of the the tape, reviewing some of the the stats. Uh, is this a, a a fun time for you as a I'm going to say a, you know a stat nerd, soccer nerd, or whatever you want to call yourself when it comes to this stuff? Yeah, it was an eventful Saturday for sure between, what, 15 matches to try to catch snippets of every single one of them. But, I mean, I'm doing it for a reason. Like, I really enjoy the grind of watching every single team that I can. I'd love to imagine your setup on that type of uh, game day where you have, like, probably, like, every computer that you have, laptop, phone, (laughs) just have games going on. You're just looking around what's going on there. Uh, And for anyone that hasn't, uh, you know, followed uh, USL Tactics, feel free to do so. They actually, you know, John put out a good uh, little preview of this first round, including um, our Orange County match. Before we get to the playoffs and previewing all this stuff, let's talk about what got Orange County into the position they are uh, heading into this first round. And that was the probably the biggest win of the season. I know it's difficult when you say it's against Los Dos, a big win, but Orange County has really struggled against Los Dos all season. And even in this match, I, I think anyone that is an Orange County fan, you knew Orange County only needed the draw and they were in prime position for that heading into extra time. But I can guarantee you 99%, if not hundred percent of Orange County fans were nervous heading into those final minutes and into the extra bit of time when the, re- uh, the side ref held up that five minute, uh, of added time, I think all of us had this gas. You could hear in the whole area of Orange County a big gasp. I'm going to go to you first, Dylan, as the the longtime fan here of Orange County. How nervous were you in those final minutes and when you saw the five minutes of added time for this match? When it, uh, re- I mean, we knew we were in the playoffs, but I know we all wanted that home match. And I, I, I believe there's a tweet by our 
or a producer that kind of sums it up. And I believe it said five minutes at a time. Why? And, and that is basically how it was at this match. Um, I was so terrified just because it was, you know, at the, the time read 90 plus something that I'm like, Oh God, this is, this is how it ends. Um, despite, Maybe I should have had a little bit more faith um, because Rakowski was just on it all night. And I think, um, you know, he really deserved that team of the week nod that he got this week. Uh, and, and maybe he would not have let anything in. Um, but you know what? Uh, for the second time in as many weeks, we've kind of made it, maybe made it seem like we have figured out how to play 95 minutes in a match. And, and we did so. And as a result, we get a, a home playoff game this year. So I... I'm ecstatic. Now, I'm going to get to, of course, hear what Alan and, and Brett have to say this, but I want to get to you really quick, John, on this. I, I don't know how much you've followed Orange County all season, but one of the biggest things that us Orange County fans have had to worry about is just giving up these late either leads or if it's a you know draw, giving up a, a late goal to drop points. Uh, what have you noticed, if anything, from Orange County You know that maybe shows that they've turned that around now in these last few matches um, or at least this last part of the season that you've seen. Yeah, I think just in general, something that with Orange County is always a theme I track is how they organize themselves defensively. And I think you've just seen a better job of that in recent weeks where you're really getting the established banks and the lines in the midfield where there seems to be real intention behind what's going on. You've got that solidity in the middle. There are some struggles offensively, certainly, but I think that just as a baseline, this team has really kind of found a rhythm where they can stick with it for the full 90 plus five and um, hold the team, even if they are giving up some chances in transition or overrunning things in the central midfield. So for me, that's a good, a good place to be heading into the playoffs where you can see a little bit more of that defensive style of soccer. So just good trends overall for the side, I would say. It's definitely good, like you said. You, you, this is the time of year when you want your defense to shine. Uh, you know, if your defense can hold a team to zero goals, I mean, you're putting yourself in a chance to, at the end of it all, potentially go to a penalty shootout, which I know we don't want to see. But you know, if the other team can't score, they definitely can't win the match. You know, in regular time. Uh, let me go to you, Alan, really quick. Uh, one of the things that we noticed, and I know you only watched the very last bit of this game because you were very focused on another team that was playing uh, on uh, Saturday night as well. Uh, what did you see? What did you like about that goal scored um, by uh, Orange County in that match to secure their position in the playoffs? Uh, before I answer the question that you asked, I'm going to answer the question or that I wanted you to ask. Uh, and no, this was not the biggest win of this season. I think the 1-0 victory over San Diego Loyal was Orange County's biggest win of the season because I think that's what really solidified their uh their, their stranglehold on second place or at least set them up to allow them to do that uh this is just kind of it seems like what orange county's been doing li- lately uh i think it shows um the how important uh guys like thomas and volson is to the team uh but also just how strong damas is when he gets some room to run um i, I think this is uh in, pretty much encapsulates um a lot of some of the success that Orange County has as far as getting some goals. Um, and it's nice to see Anna Voltson back uh, scoring for the team uh, a little bit more consistently, getting some playing time more consistently because you're probably going to need him and that veteran leadership. Uh, 
But just a really smart play from Damas to square that ball up. You know, the Ted Lasso look for the extra pass. Uh, so you got to tip him, tip the hat for that one as well. Um, and then, you know, Rakowski coming up really huge all game long. We Orange County has been on the opposite end of that with guys uh, um, like the goalkeeper from Vegas likes to keep his game, uh, his team in the games. Uh, so I think this is just kind of how Orange County has been playing recently, these low scoring games that I think maybe a little bit nail biting, but you have this has to instill hope that Orange County is always in the match because they have guys like um, Ronaldo Damas and Thomas Edvoltson to to get a goal when you need it. Let me jump up to Brad here really quick. Uh, you know, Alan brought up Thomas Edvoltson. He's been a big part of the last few matches here in this streak here for Orange County. Even though he's not getting, uh, he's not starting these matches. He's he's jumping in there late in the match. He's making a big contribution to this team. I think uh, you can ask any Orange County fan. I mean, Edvoltson's been key to this streak that we're on and his health. And I know fans are hoping it's going to continue heading into the playoffs. Um, how important is Enna Voltson uh, in a match like this against Los Dos in the match against Las Vegas? Uh, and, and, you know, how has he helped this team find their place and find their, uh, their stride heading into the playoffs? Well, we keep talking about, you know, Orange County's a team with veteran leadership and, how we're looking for, you know, those veteran players to step up and uh, make their contribution to the team. And having a player like Anna Voldson, who's been around the system multiple times now and has just been in the league for so long, um, is able to contribute to this team and allow us to to win a game that, honestly, I felt like a lot of the time the uh, flow of the game was kind of against Orange County uh LA Galaxy 2 really took it to them because their their season literally depended on it. So uh, it's just nice to have players like Anna Voldson, um who can keep the team in a game. You know, players like Rakowski, who had a magnificent game uh, on Saturday, too. So I'm going to jump to you, Chris, as sort of uh, the outsider of this this group. I I know John's an outsider of this group too, but I mean he watches a lot of this stuff and he he pays attention to what's going on there. I think Chris, you follow maybe a little bit more into the fandom side of things. I know you're still really tied into the UCUSL stuff. You do a lot of work talking about these teams. Yeah. Uh, what's a Were you watching any of this Orange County game? I'm sure you were watching other stuff at the time. And, and B, uh, what were your thoughts of of them being able to pull off this late? you know, victory, even though pretty much we knew at this point it was going to be secure that they were going to probably uh, uh, get that home playoff match anyways. But uh, were you impressed by what you saw from this team then maybe against Las Vegas as well? You know, to be honest, I mean, I watched more of your earlier games because you had my boy C-Dub out there. Uh, so I was definitely pulling some triple duty. I thought I might have to, we might have to start another podcast called Fairweather Orange podcast or something, but um. No, but I didn't get to catch this one, but I actually was going to kind of tune up on some Orange County games just because of the fact that the playoffs are here now and it probably good to watch the last couple just to get some good form, see what that looks like. Um, but just looking at how they pulled off the win, I mean, the way it was done, it was pretty marvelous. I mean, I've watched Domus before with Texas. So, I mean, you know, right? He was with Texas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, North okay. Texas. Okay, cool. Just making sure because that was, that was real fast out of my mind, but... Uh, but I've watched Thomas before, and, uh, I mean, that guy is a killer, like, in front of the goal. So, I mean, that's, like, par, up to par with his play. Um, 
And uh, I think – and give me your last question. I was just asking you, you, you know, your thoughts on how Orange County was able to pull off some of these last couple, you know, late wins. And what are your thoughts on that? I well, mean, I it's, mean, it's, there was, there was it's a amazing. Point when, yeah, I mean, because there was a point when Orange County was, looked to be broke. It was around the time that Coach was let go and we came back to New Mexico. And, you know, people were wondering, like, you know, is this is this it for OC? I mean, at least that's how it was perceived outside of, you know, your inner circle. And, uh, you know, but lately you guys have kind of found some form and, you know, I mean, if you look at just Phoenix letting some results go and and everything else happening in the bracket, I mean, it, I'm pretty impressed with what Orange County was able to do and, and put themselves in a good spot, too, nonetheless. Uh, let me jump to you, John. Uh, let me ask you this, because uh, Chris brought up the, you know, Chris Weehan. He was with Orange County, then midseason got shipped off to uh, New Mexico. Orange County switched coaches, which uh, I think some people on here weren't too excited about. Um, both of those moves to be honest. Uh, but um, what uh, have you seen from that transition from the Orange County that we saw at the beginning of the season with Coach Braden Cloutier, uh, with Chris Weehan on the roster, to what we're seeing now with Richard Chaplow in control of the the team and you know Chris Weehan, obviously, that spot opening up in the, the, the roster. What have you seen and how has that been a positive for Orange County that you've noticed? Yeah, so I think like a lot of people, I was pretty skeptical about the coaching change, but the transition to my eyes has been to a much more direct attacking style. You're seeing a lot of those long balls up to uh, Damas. You're seeing Okoli hold up the ball, uh, bring him into the game in a little bit of a different way than you would see with a Weehan who tends to be more of that creative, possessive number 10 type of player. Um, and I think it has fit this team really well. I mean, I noted the defensive improvement earlier on. So you sort of have this dynamic where the team can sit back a little bit, uh, absorb pressure really effectively. And then you look long to one of the most athletically gifted, uh, smart moving forwards in the USL. It's just been a good combination of factors that doesn't necessarily like generate the most offense you're ever going to see, but it's gritty. It gets the job done. And I think, as I mentioned, it is something that I think could be conducive to success in the playoffs. Definitely love to hear that. And yeah, defense wins championships is the the thing you hear from a lot of sports. I know soccer is a little bit different, um, you know, but that's what you hear is defense is what's going to win you. And again, I mentioned, and this is, I'm a huge defensive proponent when it comes to, to soccer. That's what I teach my kids. If we play strong defense, we're going to put ourselves in a position to win. Um, that's what happens at any level. If you don't give up a goal, you put yourself in a position to win. I know Dylan was sort of, oh, I hate that defense wins championships thing. Um, I want to do this. One last word from from each of you about this match, this season for Orange County, before we go and look ahead to the playoffs. I'll start off with Brad because I haven't heard your voice in a while. I mean, whew, there was a lot of chances for uh, Galaxy to put one away uh one hit the crossbar i think one hit the post um one sailed over you know just so many opportunities those are what you expect to see moving forward in these upcoming games for the playoffs you're expecting each team to fight like their season matters because literally their seasons do matter so hopefully the team kind of takes that lesson to heart about that game and is able to execute their game plan uh, in the coming games starting this upcoming weekend against Colorado Springs. And I love that Brad threw in that plural to the word games there because that means he's confident that Orange County is going to play more than one game in the playoffs. Alan, what about you? Uh, final thoughts on 
either the match against LA or just the season in general heading into the playoffs? Um, I think Orange County is doing enough to get the win. Uh, maybe not the most prettiest soccer, uh, but it, it like you know John said, it's gritty, uh, which is something we haven't uh, seen recently from Orange County. So it's nice to see them, and I, I think it's just getting them ready for the playoffs. So it's not always about winning pretty in the playoffs. It's just about winning, uh, and Orange County is is playing that kind of soccer right now. And Dylan, uh, I'll give you last word on this, and then we'll move on uh, to looking ahead at the playoffs. We finally beat G2, um, and it feels feels good. And um, I think, and I and I hope that the confidence after finally beating a team that seemed to have our number for the last like three years that um, we can we can take from that, and we can we can make something special happen in the next couple weeks. Perfect. And uh, we're going to get really quick before we head to the playoffs. We do need to talk about our season prediction standings. This are our final standings of the season. Uh, we only were playing this for the regular season. For those of you that don't know, we were basically predicting each of the matches. We had a scoring system that was scientifically uh, designed to prove that we are experts at this. And we have our final standings. And uh, can I get a drum roll? The winner at it post is... Brad, Brad, our newest member of the team this season, Brad won the prediction challenge with 98 points. Uh, pretty respectable. If you were in, you know, in the Premier League, that would be a decently respectable point total. Uh, Dylan was in second with 96. Dylan, you had a slight chance to pull it off there at the end, but you couldn't quite get there. If you would have predicted the correct score line, I think you would have ended up uh, beating Brad by one point. So tough luck there. Alan had a decent last week to pull a little bit further away from me, and I am dead last. But everyone that watches knows sometimes our predictions aren't based off of science. They're just based off of my very superstitious mind that Dylan loves all the time. Hey, um, man, we got a really smart guest on over there. So you can be all vibes all the time. <laughs> that just means that uh, he's got to be around all the time to kind of counteract that nonsense. Seriously, right? Yes. Um and uh, let's let's move ahead. Let's let's get into the fun part here. And the reason why we brought both Chris and John around is because we have a very busy playoff schedule here. We're definitely going to talk about Orange County versus Colorado Springs, but I just want to um, I wanted to bring these two gentlemen on to join us to help us learn a little bit more about some of these other teams, and of course also about Colorado Springs. Really quick before we we talk about um, the Orange County Colorado Springs matchup, though, I want to find out um, everyone's sort of match to watch this this, this weekend uh, obviously besides orange county uh, and colorado springs because that's obviously what most of us will be watching at least the the orange county fans um so i'm going to start off with john the expert here uh, what match are you looking at as being the most intriguing match of the season or the the match that maybe some of us orange county fans that don't know should check out i would definitely be keeping my eye on the louisville miami matchup out east um, I think, I mean, the big storyline there is the return of Speedy Williams to Louisville. He's really a club legend in the midfield there. But uh, Miami, the really the Atlantic division itself has just been so tough all season that they have that really strong top four teams there where they sort of dominated the lower rungs of that uh, division. So I think this is a really tough battle-tested Miami side. You've got your Cristiano Francois, your Billy Forbes, who are just stalwarts of the lower leagues here, uh, Bobo Acanyode, Paco Craig, against a Louisville team that has been up and down a little bit compared to past seasons. 
Um, certainly has the firepower with Lancaster and whatnot, but I think there's just so much talent. I mean, you've got a great venue. It's going to be a really watchable game. Um, so something to just keep your eye on to really get a vibe for maybe who could be coming out of the East at the end of the day. Muted. Let me jump on over to you, Chris, uh, to get your thoughts on what's a good match for Orange County fans to check out this weekend, in your opinion. Ooh, man. I think you, you – well, I mean, gosh, what a match. Um, I'm going to be watching the El Paso match. I'm going to be watching the El Paso match. Um, shoot, remind me who they're playing, though. Oakland, right? Oakland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that one is probably one that that I would say you want to watch. I mean, you know, El Paso obviously unbeaten through twenty six matches at home, um, you know, and they just really got a way that they do it. Uh, that's probably one that you're going to want to get a feel for, uh, just because that team has got so many ways that they can that they can beat you. Um, so that's definitely a, a good indicator. Um, you know, and I think the only other match I'm going to be taking a look at is probably uh, the one that, that John spoke of, the Louisville-Miami, just to kind of get a feel for the East as well. So, And let's be 100% honest, right? Chris, you're a New Mexico fan, so you're probably going to be rooting against El Paso as much as you can, but... Yes, I definitely want both El Paso and Phoenix to lose again, so that, that way they can't get any closer to the Cup until we do. Perfect. Let me... Uh... Brad, do you have a match that you're you're looking at uh, besides the OC Colorado Springs match that's intriguing to you? Um, to me, it's probably going to be uh, that Pittsburgh Riverhounds versus uh, Birmingham Legion game. Um, just seeing Bob Lilly back in the playoffs uh, after his time with the Rochester Rhinos, and to really just see. You know, these are two teams. Pittsburgh has been kind of a dominant force in the East for years. And now all of a sudden they're coming in and they're not hosting home playoff games. It'll be interesting to see how the team reacts to uh, going on the road against a very good Birmingham Legion game with Neko Brett, Nico Brett, uh, who's really tearing up the East there too. Alan, what about you? What what match is intriguing for you on this uh, this schedule of the first round? Uh, I believe on the USL show, I mentioned Birmingham-Pittsburgh as one of the ones that is the most intriguing to me. Uh, two um, pretty defensive teams uh, as well. Uh, so that's always going to be a fun matchup. But uh, I'm more and more, I'm kind of falling in love with Charlotte-Memphis. Like two teams I don't think anyone thought would be here, uh, especially uh, Charlotte hosting uh, Memphis. Uh, so this is kind of like a, a little like feel-good moment where no matter what team wins out of there, it's a team that, any, that everyone no one really picked coming into the season that they'd be there. So it's like you feel good no matter who wins because uh, a, a, a team who has is basically playing with house money at this point. But uh, yeah, for sure I think that Pittsburgh-Birmingham to me is a, a very interesting matchup and a completely different style of uh, soccer than what we normally watch in the West. Uh, so it's intriguing to me to kind of to, to keep an eye on that as well. I think that's where I would go. And Dylan, I'll give you last uh, last shot here on what's your match that you're looking at this weekend. Being very optimistic, but also just wanting to see really good play. Uh, I think you have to watch El Paso anytime you can. Um, what Mark Lowry has done is mind-boggling and, and, and incredible and slightly terrifying um, when we have to play him a couple times a year. So that's probably the one that I'll be tuning into other than uh, the Orange County game. But, but 
in all honesty, you're going to be a, a Oakland fan for that match, correct? No. no, I should be right, but realistically, I was say, don't um, you want another home game for Orange County? If 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 Oakland wins, Orange County's at home again against Oakland. I'd rather just watch a really good team play. Otherwise, I would say, yeah, I really want to watch Lily Ball, but um, it's not it's not the most. Um, as, as John put it earlier, um, it's effective. It, it can do really well in the playoffs, but it's not entertaining to watch, and I'd rather not uh, subject myself to another 90 minutes of it. All right, there we go. It's, it's uh, the playoff look, of vibes. It's all vibes now. <laughs> let's look at this all-important matchup which, uh, for, for Orange County fans. That's Orange County hosting Colorado Springs. Uh, these teams have already met a couple times this season, once in the preseason, once in the regular season in Colorado Springs. This match will be at Orange County Championship Soccer Stadium. Um, thanks to uh, our producer for bringing up some previous uh, highlights from the season here. Um, this is a very interesting matchup as you're seeing Orange County on a really good run of form. Colorado Springs maybe struggling a little bit. Uh, there's been a lot of bit of talk about, um, you know, what's going on with Colorado Springs at this point. Uh, I'm going to go to you first, John, just because again, you're the, you're the most knowledgeable person on this uh, episode here today. Uh, what are your just overall thoughts on this match? Uh, and then we'll get into more of the tactics stuff uh, in a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, you had it at the tactics point. This is such an interesting clash of styles where uh, Colorado Springs is one of the most dynamic attacking sides in the league. I mean, Haji Berry is an absolute terror up top for this side, but they're just a very dynamic transition based, uh, very fast tempo. It's basically the opposite of what you see stylistically from Orange County. So I just think from that really, there's not another matchup in the first round of games here that is a little is more of a distinct game where you're getting such a fun clash of styles. Um, Barry is certainly one to watch. I think in the midfield, Andre Lewis is someone who is going to be really important for Colorado Springs, but I'm sure we'll get more into it. Sebastian Anderson on the wing is going to be vital. Uh, the system they play, and again, we'll get into it, is just very unique. And I think it has some opportunities where Orange County could really take advantage. Now, um, Chris, I brought you on here. We we invite you on the show to talk with us about soccer. But we also know you have a little bit more of a mountain conference or mountain division uh, perspective here. So you l probably have seen a little bit more of Colorado Springs than most of us Orange County fans. Um, what are your thoughts? I, and also, you cover you know San Diego, so you get to see Orange County as well. You, you're probably... Uh, out of all of us, the one that has watched these teams play a little bit more than than others uh, in the regular season. What are your thoughts of this matchup, Orange County versus Colorado Springs? Do you agree with what John says, that it's it's such a contrast in styles? And is that what's going to make this an exciting match? Yeah, I do definitely agree with what John said. And I mean, I mean, just take it this way. I mean, okay, so San Diego likes to hold the ball for 60%. New Mexico did that um, for the majority of their – they like to obviously get – get into that. I mean, just like John said, we'll get in the tactics later, but I mean, essentially two different styles. I mean, um, <clears throat> Colorado uh, is exciting because they have so much pace up front. Um, and even just missing Ingolina doesn't necessarily take away that pace. It's just, it's just still up there. And it's something really as simple as Colorado winning the ball in the middle of the pitch. And then all of a sudden, boom, Barry's like already like, in the attacking like third, just, just waiting for it. And uh, so I think like Orange County is exciting because one of their pace and two, because 
of their defensive prowess in the middle. Um, I think that uh, I hope I just said Colorado. I feel like I said Orange County out of my mind, but um, <laughs> as, I watched Dylan, hey. as I watched Dylan, no, but like, but um, so I think that's that's the one style, and most teams really have just not been able to contend with that part, that factor. Um, and of course, as we talked about Orange County just now, like, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, they've got threats too. It's, you know, it, it can go both ways. Um, but, but Colorado just is turned up like late in the season. It'll, it'll be an exciting game. It definitely won't be like a one-sided uh, match by any means. So just slightly off topic here for you, Chris, is does does New Mexico have any kind of, uh, you know, rivalry or, or derby with with Colorado Springs? I know it's it's just a oh, shot yes. up. OK, I, I just I couldn't remember because I know you guys are always talking about Phoenix and El Paso. Um, and I, I was just looking at the map. I'm all well, Colorado Springs is just about as far as those other two. So there has to be some sort of good it's rivalry. The there. Copa, Copa de Chile, probably. They haven't dubbed it, but I mean, essentially, it's the our Chile's better. Well, okay, Albuquerque <laughs> wins uh, straight up. Then, when it comes to Chile, I'm, I mean, that's just yeah. There's no question yeah. there. Well, okay. yeah. The only question that's been is we've had Colorado's number up until that last match last season, and then all of a sudden, you know, Colorado's this new beast, right? Because of Barry and and everything they did with Brendan Burke. I mean, just complete contrast. Not the team that everyone gets the easy win on. So, um, but yeah, other than. Yeah, that's what we got with with Colorado Springs is the Archilles Better Cup. <laughs> awesome. There we go. Dylan, let me just run you really quick because uh, our producer Andy was uh, threw up the uh, highlights from the match back in July. And did you forget, like I did, that Ira Markinen was on this roster? We're watching those highlights. And you see Ira Markinen with a header into the goal. I forgot all about that dude. You know, Ronaldo and Enavoldson have just totally made us forget that Enavoldson even existed, right? You need to put some respect on Ugo Okoli's name. Um, I did okay, not forget we'll yeah. because I have seen him in the stadium recently. But yeah, he, uh, he picked up an injury and he's been recovering. And um, I think he is almost a little bit better suited to the kind of thing that we're doing right now. I like to think that he could hold the ball up pretty well since he's like a thousand feet tall um, and uh, rather wide as well. Um I think the biggest thing for me was kind of forgetting how we used to play it. It's like very expansive, like get the ball out to the wing and just, and just cross and just cross and cross and cross and cross and hope that a six foot five euro marketing can put one of those in the back of the net. And I think that was like one of the first times he had actually managed to do that. Um, it's well, think, weird. It's a I real blast from the past. Yeah. When you look at marketing on, on those highlights, so like we, we asked him to do probably a lot more than he even thought he was going to be doing on this team. Um, heading into the season, you know, due to injuries to Adam John, Thomas Enifoldson, uh, and you didn't quite know what Ronaldo Damas was yet at that point of the season. So it was just, let's, Eero, we, we signed you to play maybe 15 minutes off the bench if we needed a big target man or, you know, spot start here and there. But by the way, we need you to start, you know, match after match and come in here. And I, I just think that he wasn't ready for that. But hey, we're not here to, to reminisce on the past. Um, Dylan, uh, thoughts on this this matchup here, Orange County versus Colorado Springs. Uh, are you excited about this matchup? Are you nervous about this matchup? I'm excited. I have no idea how this is going to go. Um, and I think that's the thing that most, it makes it the most exciting is just this could, I honestly believe this could go either way. Either team could do really well. I I am terrified by Haji Berry um, and his 25 goals 
in the regular season, which is 11 more than our best player in Ronaldo Dama. So, um, yeah, excited but terrified as well. It's the playoffs. If you're not living every uh, 90 minutes as your entire life or the very end of your life, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, if your nails aren't all the way down to, like, stubs by the end of the playoffs, then you're not doing it right. Um, John, let me jump to you really quick because we've talked about Haji Berry uh, for Colorado Springs, and we've talked about, you know, de- the the veteran defense that Orange County has when you look at names of Michael Orozco, Rob Kiernan, uh, Brent Richards, Kevin Alston, uh, even Nathan Smith. Smith we can throw in there because he's been very solid for Orange County this season. Um, if, if you're a betting man, which, you know, who wins out on this? Is it the the – veteran presence of the defense for orange county or is it the uh scary attack with haji berry for colorado springs what uh what, who would you bet on for that so i put together that uh pre or uh, playoff preview rather um and i have orange county getting a 1-0 win in this one i think that they're gonna be able to shut down barry i think there's a blueprint to doing it where if you he, he's a player who you tend to think of as the kind of guy who leads the line, scores a lot of goals in that way, poaching. But he really drives a lot of offense from dropping deeper down in the midfield, actually, and trying to involve teammates, making some later runs into the box. And I think Orange County is pretty uniquely set up with their defensive solidity down the middle to defend against that. I mean, obviously, he's a player who can just snatch a goal out of nothing you don't win a golden boot running away without that ability. But just given how this Orange County team plays, I think that they can shut him down. And and what specifically do you need to see from Orange County? Like if you're watching, say, the first 20 minutes of the match, uh, what are you seeing from Orange County that's going to give you more faith that they're going to pull off this, this victory? Um, I think I trust the defense, but they're going to need to show some signs of life in the attack. The way that Colorado Springs sets up tactically, they tend to play a sort of three at the back system, but it's sort of, it's unbalanced. You have Beckford on the left, who really has to cover a lot of ground, whereas Sebastian Anderson is a little bit more of a fullback on the right. And what that means is that uh, it's going to be a big match for Oloski, Kuningas, players who get out wide can take advantage of the gaps. So if I'm Orange County, I'm looking for shot limitation where maybe you're allowing Colorado Springs to have possession, but you're not letting them get good looks. And then when Orange County is able to attack, they're working down the channel, taking advantage of the wide spaces that uh, Colorado Springs is naturally giving up. So let me uh, jump. Let me go to you, Brad. I'm going to ask you this next question. So we're, we're hearing from John here that, uh, you know, you're looking at Alaski, you're looking at Kaningas. They're going to play a, a pivotal role for Orange County and breaking down this this Colorado Springs defense. Um, do you think those those men and, and others that are similar to them on this roster are up for that challenge? Well, it certainly beats uh, lopping the ball over and uh, having Damas chase it for 90 minutes. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with uh, John here. You know, uh, you you got to really take it and break it break down uh, Colorado Springs here, man. It's tough following up someone who really knows what they're talking about. (laughs) Didn't mean to put you on the spot there, Brad. That's what we do with you, Brad. (laughs) Alan, your thoughts. Let me just have, let me bring you out here because Brad's uh, just really nervous or flustered or whatever's going on there. (laughs) Rule of thumb. When John's on your podcast, just agree with him. 
No, um, I think there's some interesting things here. Uh, Colorado's defense um, is one of the worst, or I think it's the worst in the playoff record. They gave up 50 goals. Uh, Orange County is on the opposite end of really good defensively, but offensively, uh, I think second worst to Oakland. Um, so this is going to be a... Uh, happens every so often with Alan <laughs> that it's that wonderful San Diego internet at least though at least we're not like the USL uh championship or USL preview playoff preview show where we completely lose everything um we just get a screenshot wonderful that. image of Alan we got a screenshot that someone's got to get a screenshot of that um, oh it just we can away. do that oh he just went away um so I think he was on a good uh, topic or good good idea there, uh, Chris. You you interact with Alan the most out of all of us right. on the Fairweather Pod. Can you just sort of fill in and can you figure out what he was trying to say there? Mm. I think we have him back. By the way, he's well. At least he's trying to get back in here. It's still uh, not quite there. Great old San Diego internet. So, uh, Chris, do your best, uh, Alan. Uh, thoughts. Okay, um, Alan would say, uh, you know. Orange, you know, Orange County's got just a, a great chance of uh, pulling out the win. You know, Colorado Springs, while they do have Barry, um, who who's got that pace. I mean, really, if if uh, they can just kind of seal up the middle, um, then ultimately there won't really be any opportunities. But I mean, on the real on the real though, like you know, shifting from Allen the. Uh, the, mag- the magician, I just have to say that, uh, and John probably remembers this, but like when New Mexico played uh, Colorado Springs the last time, they really just kind of sealed up the middle. And Colorado Springs, for the most part, had to kind of put the ball out into the corners and try to get in b- far and behind New Mexico and try to create the same look that they try to create when the middle's not sealed up. And it, it just was a very interesting match that way because what they were doing was just putting Haji Berry through the middle underneath, just really trying to wrap him around and where New Mexico had success as they moved their faster uh, left back to cover him. So having like an Austin Yearwood, if you will, versus a Rishi Tete. So basically Orange County with their back, uh, with their, their back four, um, they just basically have to, you know, shift according to like what the threats are, you know? So there might be a little bit of that that has to happen. That frustrated um, Springs and Barry for the, the most part. And like I said, they really were trying to get creative using the wide parts of the pitch. So. Perfect. Alan made his way back on here. I, I, I want to give Alan a chance to finish whatever his thought was, especially if Chris got it wrong. Oh so man. Alan I hope he says exactly the same thing. Uh, so I think Orange County has a really good chance of uh, pulling out a win here. Um, <laughs> I, I just think it's, it's a really interesting matchup. It's a high-powered offense with a leaky defense versus a um, a not super high-power offense, but a really stout defense. Uh, and I think that's where Orange County pulls out the win is you keep Colorado Springs from scoring uh, more than one goal. And I think Orange County... Uh, has this pretty much wrapped up. Um, although their most recent games have not been uh, super high scoring, but you know you keep a Phoenix Rising team to zero goals, you keep San Diego to zero goals, uh, 
I uh, keep LA to zero goals, which has not been easy for Orange County in the, this past season. I think it just shows kind of where they are defensively. Um, and uh, they're, they're stout. Um, they didn't give the or, uh, San Diego very good looks. They got, I think, like one or two maybe. Um, so, uh, yeah, Orange County, I think, does this with their back line um, against a, a pretty good Colorado Springs offense. And then they use kind of that the ability to uh, get late goals out of nothing uh, to be able to put one or two past Colorado Springs. I want to jump back to you really quick, John, because I do want to give a little bit of, you know, information based on Colorado Springs, because we may get some some switchbacks fans that may tune into this. So I don't want them to feel left out on this conversation. Uh, what are you looking at if you see Colorado Springs again? And I'm going to do that same type of question. The first 20 minutes of the match. What are you seeing from Colorado Springs that is going to lead you to believe that this is going to be a successful match for for them um, to beat Orange County? Yeah, I think it's going to be the ability to break down Orange County in the more settled phases of the game. If there's anything that Colorado Springs is really strong at, it's that transition play, breaking with speed. But there have been, for me, question marks about their ability to do that against a settled defense. So are you able to have players like Zach Zandi, Andre Lewis drive offense from the middle, from deeper in the uh, front of play? Can Shane Beckford make an impact from out on that left wing? Um, are you getting those overlapping runs out wide from Anderson on the right? Just showing a little bit more flexibility. Um, is Barry able to drop deep into the midfield and engage some of those teammates? I think is going to be the key theme here. Like I just mentioned a lot of names, but really Barry has to be the one who drives the car for them a little bit. So if you can engage him and let him bring those other players into the game, That'll be the big thing. Um, so let's let's get down to this. I, I want to give if anyone has a last thought on this match before we get to our match predictions, just you know, do a quick hand raise here, really quick, so we can let you uh, say your piece. Um, Dylan has something to add to this conversation. Go, Dylan. I have a question for the five of you. Um, do you think this match? When did this become? Wait, wait, really quick. When did this become a thing where you get to start asking questions? When I took over the podcast. Some more out. <laughs> Yeah, some more out, guys. Um, do you think this Go match taking place in Orange County is is as much of a benefit as it might have been two years ago when they were I, playing at I, the I old Whitmer Field? Go ahead, Ray. I will jump on this first. If this was two months ago, I would have been like, I, I would rather play in Colorado Springs based on the way the team has played or had played up to that point at home. Um, they had They had already proven that they can win in Colorado Springs. Uh, but with the way the team's been playing lately and with the strong showing from the fans as of late, I, I think the it's a legit home field advantage for Orange County in this, um, which is something maybe um, even, you know, three, four years ago, you might not say. And even earlier in the season, you would say um, Orange County struggles at home. Maybe we don't want to play home. I think I, I think some of us were saying that on this on this podcast a month or two ago that maybe Orange County wants to play on the road because they've done better on the road than they've done at home. Um, so I, I do think at this point, though, the way that things have been going uh, and the way the fans are going to turn out, at least it looks like at this point, it's going to be awesome for Orange County and it's going to play a big part of this match. Can the can the other four of you provide a shorter answer? You got to let someone feet. know. Dylan, you got to ask uh, someone so that the way playing is the, the reservoir. 
Yeah, yeah. Does not playing at 7,000 feet really make a, an impact here? And do you have any data that suggests that teams play worse in Colorado? I'm, I will look into that tomorrow because I'm fascinated by the idea. I mean, you see it in like, my frame of reference here would be the NBA where like the Jazz have a pretty distinct advantage. Same thing for the Nuggets where um, home field advantage or home court advantage rather isn't a thing for like 95% of teams, but you actually see it with those mountain teams. So I think I'm going to look into it. I, I do think it's nice for Orange County to be hosting this one for sure. I mean, the travel aspect, yeah, but that elevation thing is a point I hadn't really considered before. So, Boom, I want to yeah. jump in there. Chris? <clears throat> I mean, I've watched teams come into a mile-high city. I mean, New Mexico State has ele- got the elevation, too, and I've watched teams come in, and they're just like, they're gassed. I mean, somewhere once it sets in, you start to see the transition of how the players play, and it's like they just they just – they can do the short runs, but those long ones just just kill them. And it really it just set in after a time. But it really kind of comes into how much time has a team been there to acclimate? Do you know what I mean? To try to get used to it. I mean, hell, I watched even our own players take a lot of time to get fit through most of the season because that altitude is a killer. So, I mean, imagine a Colorado team going to, like, sea level, like, I honestly, I don't know if they're going to be, I don't know if they're going to be as affected to be with, to be honest with you. I mean, cause they're training like as such well, a, they'll steep... be ready for matches. Yeah. I mean, they'll be ready for that. I just don't think that like, it's, it's maybe I'd be more concerned about like turf to grass or something along those lines, but you know, teams play differently on some of those surfaces. Well, if the, the remaining two of you can give a quick answer, Brad, go first. Yeah, uh, I'm super happy it's going to be a home game because I'll be in the area, and I can confirm I will be there. That's not what I asked. Alan? Um, (laughs) Orange County has the same home record as Oakland Roots. So just putting that out there. But not the same pitch. But yeah, yeah, not the same pitch. I was going to say that. Pitches, multiple pitches. We don't have that pitch. We don't have that, that, that. Pitch Shout that out. Brad saw the first time he went there either. Shout out to my pitches. Um, yeah, and a um, plus three goal differential at home. So um, to Oakland and plus one for Orange County. So if this was a tie break, Oakland Roots would probably get the tie break old school. Uh, so there is a little bit of concern, uh, but I think Orange County has been playing much better uh, as of late. So I think it's less of a concern now than it was earlier in the season. Let me just say this. If John had never listened to our show before, he'd right now be wondering, what did I get myself into uh, joining these guys on this episode with Alan's fun uh, comments there? Um, <laughs> let's do this. Quick score predictions uh, for this match. We, we like to do the Orange County. I know it's typically home team first, and this works out for this. Orange County is the first score we give. I- I'm going to let Chris go first. Uh, what is your score prediction, and um, who is the MVP for this match? We're going to add that to this as well. Who's the the, the man of the match here. Man, like the little bit of love I got, I'm going to have to tell you, I think it's a 3-2 Colorado Springs win. I'm sorry, Dylan. I'm sorry, man. But we're still going to hang out when I get to Cali. Um, yeah, 3-2 Colorado Springs <laughs> win. <laughs> and I think who's, the, who's your man of the match then with that uh, Colorado Springs win? It's, uh, I'm going to have to give it to Barry, man. All right. 
Uh, Dylan, uh, since since you're right there next to Chris on our screen here, I'm going to let you go next. Uh, what is your score prediction, and who's the man of the match? A very smart man uh, said it was going to be 1-0, and I kind of want to say that's going to be it because I can't imagine it going any differently than a one-goal win for Orange County. Perfect. Uh, Brad, what about you? I was not muted. Uh, uh, I'm similarly going to say 2-0, and my man of the match has got to be Rakowski with a 2-0 victory there. He's been on fire recently. All right, John, I'm going to hand it down to you. What's I know you already announced your prediction. Who's your man of the match on this? Yeah, Rukowski's a good shout, but I'm going to go with Orozco here. All right. Uh, Alan, you, you mentioned earlier, I, I believe, is, you know, whatever John says, you just go with it. Uh, what's your um, prediction and who's your man of the match? I'm going to I'm gonna throw a wrench. I'm going to borrow a, a Chris prediction. I'm going to say 1-1. No one wins. Uh, Dylan Powers is your man of the match. Orange County advances on PKs. Yeah, you took that one for sure. I don't want that to happen. I will die. There's no chance I I can make through a penalty shoot. I I hate watching free soccer if one of the teams I'm invested in is playing the free extra soccer. (laughs) Dylan, are you ready for my prediction? 5-0. Colorado Springs. I'm a five nil Colorado Springs oh. is my prediction for this match. Why? Uh, and I'm going Whoa. to say man of the match will be uh, Patrick Rakovsky, uh between <laughs> the, the the sticks there. I, I, I don't think man John of the match is going to be. I don't think John or Chris know my prediction method here. So if any of you want to explain to what that weird prediction is, is, is go for it. Jinx it's thing? a sadist. That's all you yeah. need to know. But but here, check this out though. You might want to make the man of the match or. Yeah, the man of the match, uh, Brendan Burke, because have you seen that guy get on the screen all the times the USL shows that guy on the screen and his theatrics and his faces he makes? And it's, it, is, it is like award-winning. So you might want to just throw coach of the of the hour to Brendan Burke, too, while you're at it. The Colorado you heard him steals. Um, uh, Russell, who's listening live on YouTube, said his hand is raised I, I don't know what that means but maybe he wants to say something we'll, we'll see what he, he types in the chat there um really quick uh i know we're running close to the hour mark but i figured we'd go slightly longer because this is a playoff uh you know show here um any other soccer stuff anyone wants to bring up before uh we can oh russell says colorado can kiss his squirrel um as we bring it up on the screen there i i there we go is that, is that a euphemism I don't know. Um, any, any random soccer news anyone wants to share that we didn't get to talk about yet? Yes. Um, Two uh, things. Okay, Alan, go for uh, it. USL CBA, shout out to the union again, getting that done. A lot of good uh, reporting, uh, Jeff Reuter, on what that actually means. Uh, I think the article came out yesterday or today. Uh, if you haven't read it, check it out. Uh, the other thing is uh, the end of an era in Charleston. Uh, with Coach Anheuser uh, being relieved, he left. It, he relieved of duties. Uh, he's been. I think that's in... just what soccer teams put when a when a coach is fired or like right. it's their relieved duty. Because I think that's what happened with Coach Braden Cloutier. Uh, he's been relieved of his duties, and I think that's what happened at Tottenham with uh, Nuno <laughs> Santo. Is he's been relieved of his duties? I mean, that's just. Had to get that one in there, man. You just, he, had, to, uh, you just had to bring yep, it up. Had to go contact. Um, he he has been a if you don't know the USL he's been kind of a stalwart coach uh, probably one of the most respected coaches in the USL I think he's been with the Charleston Battery since 1999 
as an assistant coach and before that as a player. Uh, so he's been there forever and a half. I would not be surprised if uh, a team picks him up very, very quickly and gets him on the sideline again. I think uh, USL show we mentioned like an Indy 11 might be pretty interested in him, uh, but he's he's a, a really well-respected coach in the league uh, and who will end up somewhere, but some pretty big news out of uh, Charleston today, yesterday, today. Really quick, we have a listener, uh, Mikey, watching on Facebook, and his uh, random soccer news is a Brazilian type, uh, Brazilian top flight fans attack VAR during match. Do any of you have Channel Ocho where you got to actually see this happening? Um, yay, nay. Thoughts on fans attacking the video assistant referee? Anyone think that that's a, a good thing to do as a fan? Oh, uh, Dylan. Oh. Okay. No, I, I don't think that's a good thing to do. I think if you're a fan, you should really stay off the field at all times. Um, I see a lot of fans that seem like since COVID's kind of not been an issue and they're allowed back in stadiums like they'll run onto the field to like take a selfie with random players or try to get their shirt um or in this case to attack the far stand because their equalizing goal in the 80 something minute was called off but um yeah stay off the pitch and uh, it was at least funny to watch probably because it wasn't here but uh, I, I feel like it's only a matter of time before someone's drunk and angry enough at a usl ref to do something dumb like this or angry enough at opposing fans to throw cans at them. Um, let's see. Or, uh, uh, or players on the pitch to throw cans or water bottles. or Something, something. Is this an attack on Reno? Oh, I don't it was actually in a, it was an attack on New Mexico over there. Or, I mean, I got some random uh, suckiness. Most does. Yeah, go, yeah, go, go ahead, for it, Chris. Chris. Let's get uh, back to, the, to what we're actually supposed to talk about here. Right. This just in the stadium bond for New Mexico failed. Did oh, not pass. No. Yeah, so... They just, the club put out a statement about, you know, we're moving forward together and, you know, I'm, there's just tons wait, is of, this, wait, really, Chris, is this legit breaking news? Yeah. I just saw the post on the, uh, on the internet, like the team put out a, a little club statement uh, talking about how the city has, the, the will, the city has rejected it. Like there's so many comments talking about it right now because the results are in like a, the bond failed. So, so. Really quick, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, obviously, sure. but w- I mean, with I mean, there's a lot of you know Native American reservations uh, in and around the city. Is there is that a potential option for the team to look at? Maybe looking for one of the tribes to invest in a stadium and have the team play there, or is that something that wouldn't work out in Albuquerque? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they've taken the the route of a Phoenix Rising yet to put a a stadium on a, a, sh- a shift of land. I'd have to think that they are looking into it, but, you know, I mean, God, there's no telling what, what the thought is right now about what they're trying to do. I mean, the, the, the thing that Peter Trevisani has said plenty of times is like, well, the stadium has got to go somewhere. So it just makes you wonder, like, you know, do they try this thing again when it's not in an election year, when they can just kind of work it out with city council or like, you know, do they just try to put more of their own money against it and still make it happen, you know, or do they just, you know, try it in another city, you know, we hope that they don't, you know, there's just no telling, you know, it just depends on how bad they want it. Move to Bernalillo. Right. Like Rio Rancho. There you go. Um, John, any, yeah, Dil- uh, Dylan's confused. He, he doesn't know the surrounding areas of. It's like the Inland Empire to, OC, if you will. 
Yeah, just circle back to the uh, CBA thing. I reached out to a couple of players just to see how people were feeling. And I think the prevailing thought is that it's really great for the lower end guys on the rosters where if you're someone who's a veteran, sure, there are some perks, but it's the guys who are on the lowest tier of contracts who are really getting that extra level of security, which I think is such a big step for the league and getting people to commit themselves to a career in professional soccer in this country. So really good news there, even though my mood is dampered a lot by the New Mexico news here. Jeez. I'm sorry. Way to bring us down, Chris. I'm sorry, guys, but, but John, you know, let's break down these votes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, hopefully they can figure out something. Uh, Albuquerque, you know, and New Mexico has been a, a, a great group. I know they get a lot of flack from, from around the league, from certain fan groups. So, you know, but it's nice when you can see a team that can, you know, bring in that type of fan, uh, uh, fan fandom, fan viewership, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've always talked about it. We've talked about it on this this podcast is, you know, Orange County, one of their biggest struggles is there's so much to compete with. Well, when you have a city like Albuquerque, there's not really much that the soccer team is competing with. So they're, they're pulling in any a lot of the sports fans in the area to come enjoy live sports. But nothing against Los Albuquerque, Cruces nothing too. against other – huh? Las Cruces, gosh, one of our season ticket holders this first year was a season ticket holder. He drove from uh, Denver for every home match and slept in the driveway and then drove back home. Like He was a legit season ticket holder living in Colorado. There you go. Yeah. But um, let's let's move on because we want to wrap things up. We don't like to go too long, so let's get to our random thoughts of the episode. Um, I'm going to, because, uh, John, it's your first time on here, I'm going to let you just sort of think really quick and sort of hear some other random thoughts so you get an idea of what we do here. Let's go, hey, our, oh, who are we going to first, producer? Um, I'll let our producer pick. Whoever comes up on the big screen is the one that gets to go first with a random thought. Go. Boom. Hey, everyone. It's me, and I'm here to give you some recommendations, not for any literature, but go go and read a, go and read a book. Go to a used bookstore. Get yourself a book that's going to be on uh, a significant discount from what you would otherwise buy. You don't have to get it online. It's a great time. Oh, and you always meet some weird people in a, uh, in a used bookstore. And oftentimes they've got like random soccer books for some reason. So get at it. If you need an Orange County recommendation, I highly recommend Bookman. Is there a used book on tape store that I, you can recommend? No. Okay. Next Tape? up, uh, what is it, the 90s? Brad's next. Go All Brad. right. So there's this new documentary series on Netflix that kind of follows Colin Kaepernick, a very famous University of Nevada alumni. Um, I cool. had planned on seeing it until recently. I've noticed uh, a couple inconsistencies that people have been posting on, on uh, Reddit and uh, Twitter. Um, the first being there's an acceptance letter where it says instead of the University of Nevada of Reno, it's UNLV which is not where he went to school. And then the character that played the coach, uh, Alt, who's a legendary coach up here, is on record of calling Nevada Nevada. And that is something that people up here do not like. Uh, Some weird inconsistencies from Hollywood or whoever filmed it kind of makes you wonder how much uh, Colin Kaepernick had to do with those inaccuracies. Probably not much. Some angry words from Brad from Nevada. Uh, let's, uh, I guess, go down to San Diego, Alan. Um, 
Hey, person from Denver, Colorado, there are several teams that are closer than Albuquerque. Um, but uh, congratulations to the 2021 World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, um, Commerce City represent, um, Aurora, woo-woo! Um, no, uh, shout out to Atlanta Braves. We're just Thank shouting you. out random. We're just talking about random cities in, in Colorado now. Uh, Lakewood! Um, okay. But, yeah. Uh, Inglewood. There, there is an Inglewood, I think, in Colorado. Um, vale as well. Um, Beaver, Beaver is a great city in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> check it out. Uh, Estes Park, where I got yeah, married. Estes I Park. Know. I was just gonna say that's great. Yeah, mm. got married at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park. Great place. Um, check it out. Mm. Um, yeah, random thought is just um, there's a baseball game. The Braves won. Now they are the uh, United States champions of baseball. Aren't they the world champions of baseball? I mean, sure. Well, not in the world. They're Disputed. in the United States. The con- they're the CONCACAMP. But it's the World Series. They're okay. the, con- they're the CONCACAMP <laughs> champions of baseball. Well, you know, Americans. <laughs> you know us Americans. Everything Yeah, is the yeah, world. you know how that goes. Hey, let's go to Chris. Chris, you're random. Oh, no, we're going to go to John. Oh, no. We're- oh, Which one oh. are we going to? Let's go to I, Chris. Chris, go. I, I had 150 Tootsie Roll fruit candies. First of all, vanilla ice cream is not a fruit. So I don't know why that's in the fruit candy of the Tootsie Rolls every year. It's just not a fruit. And then secondly, damn, I had 90 pieces of lemon candy in that bag. Like 90 pieces because I ate them as I counted them. And uh, the How other way. I think was your bag of Tootsie Roll fruit, whatever stuff. It is it like, like the Costco size or whatever? 150 pieces of candy. So you, and 90 roughly, of them were yellow. 90 of them were yellow. And there was vanilla flavor, which I realized finally when you looked that at the bag like with the fruits, crap, by the way, it was an ice cream cone. So I'm like, okay, this is fruit flavored Tootsie Rolls and a vanilla ice cream. So that's my random thought for you. That's truly there random. Yeah, that, hey. that is random. And yeah, vanilla does not belong in there because it's almost as bad as the original Tootsie Roll. But uh, hey, now we can go eat to ice John cream for, for his random thought. Yeah. Um, Book of Boba Fett trailer. That's my random thought. Yeah, I don't know if you have any Star Wars people on the show, but I am insanely hyped about that. I've been revisiting Boba Fett comics and whatnot because my hype levels are sky high right now. Amazing. That's the, the stuff with like Spock and Captain Kirk, right? Yeah, exactly. Nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Damn it, Jim. <laughs> Uh, I, I I know what I know the difference. Um, mine's gonna be a random question, folks. Really quick, random question. I'll go first to Chris. Green or red? Green, all day. Brad, green or red? I'm assuming Brad. you're talking about chili. I do not have expertise or knowledge in the. Well, where you live, no, it might not be chili. Alan, green or red? <laughs> uh, if it's chili or it's hot sauce from El Pollo Loco, then green. Verde. Brad. Or no, Dylan. You look the same. How dare you? I'm leaving this podcast. That's green. Green all the way. But if that's to prove your point, then I'm going to say red. Just for that insult. John, green or red? Oh, green. Hatch chili all day, every day. There we go. I like that. Anyone that said green, you can can survive on this podcast. What the hell is that? What is that? That's, That's Hormel right there, buddy. You lose points. <laughs> there we go. Our producer likes apparently Colorado colored chili. Um, 
<laughs> Let's do this. Um, really quick, uh, Chris, do you have anything to plug for our listeners if they want to hear more from you, follow you, listen to any of your podcasts? What do you got going? I know you yeah, have a, a mile-long list, so get it through. Jeez, quick. jeez. Seek and Strike Collective dot com is the uh the blog uh the podcast is we are seek and strike podcast on spotify and apple and uh that's what i got perfect i love it that he doesn't plug your fair weather stuff there because i knew alan uh, was gonna plug it that's why oh no we don't let him plug his stuff anymore uh john Damn. any uh anything that you have if people <laughs> want to follow you listen to you hear what you got to say about tactics in the usl yeah, just at USL Tactics on Twitter. I post everything there. I, he needs I'm podcast. on the podcast circuit this week, so this is one of two or three appearances I'll be doing. Check out the playoff preview. All I got to say, I'll be updating it every round with matchup thoughts, tactical things. So keep an eye on that. Yeah, definitely follow. Uh, definitely a lot more uh, knowledgeable about this soccer stuff than uh, the rest of us here on the show. Um, really quick. For our guests, John and Chris, for Brad, Dylan, Allen, I am Ray. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Oh, Scotty, you are my team. Until the day.